Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. I'm Bob Boylan with All Songs Considered. So we have something special today, a few things actually. First off, we have a new song, an exclusive by rapper Danny Brown. He has a new album coming out September 30th. It's called Atrocity Exhibition. You'll hear a new song called Rolling Stone a little later as part of this other thing we have, an interview with Danny Brown done by writer Tim Hotepaku, who's been on all songs considered talking about hip-hop. You may remember a conversation we had about Kendrick Lamar. Tim came to us and said that for him, Danny Brown is this captivating rapper, a musician with a singular voice, and he wanted to ask one question. What was the song that changed him or inspired him? And for Danny Brown, it was this song by Nas called The World Is Yours. The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Whose world is this? It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. I sip the dumb peak watching Gandhi till I'm charged and writing in my book of rhymes. All the words past the margin. The whole of mic I'm throbbing. Mechanical movement. Understandable smooth shit that murderers move with. The thief's theme. The Play me at night. They won't act right. The fiend of hip hop has got me stuck like a crack pipe. The mind activation. React like I'm facing time. Like Pappy Mason with pins I'm embracing. Wipe the sweat off my dome. Spit the phlegm on the streets. Sway Tim's on my feet. Makes my cypher complete weather cruising in a six cab. I'm on tarot deep. I can't call it. The beats make me falling asleep. I keep falling, but never falling six feet deep. I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for dead presidents to represent me. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is To my man Ill Will, God bless your life. To my peoples throughout Queens, God bless your life. I trick we box of crazy bitches, aiming guns and all my baby pictures. Beef with housing police, release scriptures, that's maybe Hitler's. Yet I'm the mild money, getting style, rolling foul. The versatile honey, sticking wild, golden child, dwelling in the rotten apple. You get tackled, a caught by the devil's lasso. Shit is a hassle. There's no days for broke days. We sell and smoke pays while all the old folks pray. The Jesus soaking their sins and trays. A holy water, odds against nods and slaughter. Finger the word best describing my life. To name my daughter, my strength. My son to start will be my resurrection. Born in correction, all the wrong shit I did. He'll lead in right direction. How you live in larger broker, charge cards are mediocre. You're flipping coca, playing spit spades and strip poker. So that was just a little bit of uh, Nas's The World Is Yours. Danny Brown's favorite rap song. Things I learned. Best rap song ever, man. <laughs> so tell me about that. Tell me about why that's your favorite rap song ever. 
I think because it was probably the first time I ever heard rap like that, though. Mm, you know mm. what I'm saying? Like, it's so unpredictable. Like, if you just heard the way that the intro of the beat came on, mm -hmm. you didn't expect for him to get on it like that. Mm. And then just what he's saying, like, as far as vocabulary-wise, you got to think, this still was like the 90s, too. So I think it was like kind of like promoted. It was like cool to be smart back then, I guess. <laughs> Do you think it's not so cool to be still, smart right now? Is that? No, of course it's not. Music is super dumbed down now. <laughs> no one wants to be the smart guy. That's not cool. But back in those days, I think you remember, you know, it was kind of like promoted. Like, you know. I mean, I, I vocabulary. I think like, of I think of rappers' names. There'd be people with names like professor in their names and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, think I, about it. <laughs> so it was always like promoted to be like kind of smart you know what i'm saying unless you're just doing gangster rap you know uh -huh. what i'm saying so i think but that's what he did he merged it because what he talking about is some gangster you know what i'm saying yeah yeah like so he kind of like that was the first time i ever heard it like that like it was either one way or another like and you know like people say Nas is like 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 come from like rakim you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah yeah from that when lineage to, yeah when you listen to rock rakim rap it's more like speed. It's like more like you know what I'm saying. It's the words. It's the vocab. It's the it's the wordplay. But it's like coming at you real fast. So a lot of stuff you might not catch. Yeah, yeah. But Nas just came in there so smooth. It's like you heard everything so crisp. But it's like he was doing the exact same trick, wordplay wise. Where it's like every word rolling to the next one, almost rhyming off each other, even if they don't rhyme type of stuff. Uh -huh. And just being super unpredictable with it. Like he had guns in his baby pictures and. You know, he want to live like Gandhi. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, everything in that song to me is like so crazy. Man. I must say, I do love that uh, that 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 juxtaposition of Gandhi. You know, a person we associate with peace and nonviolent protest mm -hmm. and the best in people, and then him talking about uh, you know, guns That's in the how baby he picture. It off. Yeah. And then it's just still like I was saying, like even with that rhyme pattern, I sipped the Don P watching, watching Gandhi till I'm charged. Till yeah. I'm charged. Like that was unpredictable. He jumped off. Any other rapper would have just kept it going, sipped the Don P, telling I need, and I need, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Then he jumped off, and but was keeping it like so. That's what I meant. But he was just being unpredictable with the with the with the words, with the flow back then. You know, that was like so ahead of his time for back then to me. Do you recall? And to be that smooth, to be able to like, because you got to think. Like I say, it was uh. cool to be smart. So you had the people that sometimes just went overbounded to show how complex and show how deep <laughs> they is. You know, this and it's still the mid nineties. Uh -huh. But Nas was just like pulling it off so smooth, where he seemed like your homie. You just watch TV with. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Chilling the hood with. But he got a little book smart to him, and you know he's still talking. He can talk gangster. You know. It, it, it's it's interesting because. I never peeped all those things happening at the same time about, you know, to me, it's just a song that I, I remember being a young boy in Queens when this album was bootlegged. Right. So before it came mm -hmm. out, that's tight. it ended up it ended up in tapes and they played in barbershops all over New York, but especially in Queens. It was the hottest thing out. Somehow people got their hands on it and everybody was in awe of the new kid who was going to bring Queens back named Nasty Nas. And for me, it was just like he was the sound of an era, a new era at that time, mm -hmm. an attitude. And and, and it, it is what you're talking about. Not to uh, rip off Tragedy's uh, alias, but he was the intelligent, intelligent hoodlum. hoodlum. He was the intelligent <laughs> hoodlum, you know? <laughs> I swear I was thinking the same thing, man. He was the intelligent hoodlum. But like you say, he came from that too, because that's Queensbridge, you yep. know what I'm saying? Yep. So maybe all that plays into a part of how he was, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I remember where I was maybe when I first heard that song. Do you remember where you were? Um, Yeah, I was in the living room. I saw the video, actually. Oh, what were you watching? Um, the box. The box. the box. I think back then. The box. Yeah, this is. Um, 
for for, for those who don't know, the box was a, a pay. Uh, <laughs> it was it was it was before you, yeah. there was YouTube kids. Uh, there was a channel on cable called the box. We could call up and for a small price order a video that they would play. Mm-hmm. They would broadcast. Yeah. And <laughs> were you the one who ordered it, or, or was it was it a situation? Yeah, we used to have um, my my older cousin had like a burnout cell phone. <laughs> So we just be able to order videos all day. So you know what I'm saying? We just order videos all day. <laughs> I remember one time that two, it was a two for one um, Raekwon ice cream and Mob Deep give up the goods. I Ooh. think we played that like for like Ooh. a whole weekend straight. Oh, so mad it was. And, and I'm, 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 <laughs> it was only that a Rage Against the Machine Bulls on parade. We just kept playing them back to back. And see, so so parents, don't let your your kids in junior high. I'm guessing you were in junior high back then, right? Or maybe elementary. I think I was still in. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, now elementary school. Like sixth grade. Yeah, like sixth grade. Like don't don't let them get a a hold of your burner phone if you have a burner phone. They'll go crazy okay. with it. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll play. Uh, Nas it was like nobody got charged. It was a burnout phone. It was like you know we could order videos all day, so it wasn't like nobody to pay. It we was charged to the out, game. We'd get another one. Yeah, charged. It was charged to the game, as uh, Master P would say. Charged to the culture. To, to the culture, as they would say these <laughs> days, it's for the culture. Um, but you know, speaking of Nas, right? Um, I've always said that you are a person in his lineage, even though I think a lot of people, yeah, of course, a lot of people may not recognize that and they may not no, see but- that. But I definitely feel like, as a storyteller, as a person who paints pictures about what happens in his community. You know, yours being Detroit, his being Queensbridge, I really see a lot of similarities. And I think I want you to, to, to tell me if you think I'm accurate with that assessment. I mean, of course, I learned. I mean, I learned every trick in the book from him. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But I, I think, yeah, that's that's the number one thing that I, I, I the number one thing I picked up on was that when I first heard Illmatic, just me being a kid in Detroit, it still made me feel like I was in the middle of Queensbridge projects and I'd never been to New York. Mm. So that's one thing I always wanted to pull into my music that if you ain't never been to Detroit no more, or you ain't never been to Detroit before, but I want you to feel like you're right in the middle. You know what I'm saying? You set, it, it sets a scene. It brings you to uh, yeah. a zone and like a place. Like the soundtrack to, to that place for me, you know? Indeed, indeed. I think, I, I remember um, I used to read a lot of rap magazines in, in the 90s and 2000s and uh, a term that was tossed around, I'm not sure who uh, coined it, it may have been Greg Tate, some other legendary music writer, but mm-hmm. Urban Griot, right? Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Griot in the West African tradition is a storyteller. Yeah. Urban is like, all right, you're in the hood, you're in the inner city, and you're telling those stories. And I got that from Nas, and I remember one of the things that stood out to me most about you uh, when I first heard some of your early stuff from, like, the, um, you know, like, I say, like, the, it's around 2008, 2009 ish. Um, besides the voice, besides the, the delivery, was that you told these very detailed stories that often, sometimes they were tragic. Like, I think of guitar <laughs> solo. Like, guitar solo, I think, is an amazing song because it's like three vignettes about people's lives. Um, mm-hmm. Now, as you as a writer, what told you or what made you want to say, all right, I want to tell these stories about what's going on around me as opposed to, you know, just self-description? I mean, you do that as I mean, well. completely. Like I said, completely. I get that from Nas. Mm. Like, that's just straight from him. You know what I'm saying? That's probably why I picked The World Is Your too because, you know, that's like, probably one of the songs that probably wasn't so much story driven mm-hmm. like you know a lot of his music I didn't pick one love or nothing like that you know what I'm saying yeah but yeah I totally learned that's how you formulate an album you know it's only so much you know with rapping it's just like it's only so much you can just brag about yourself and make yourself seem so cool or you know make cause it's just all about like 
you know, early days of hip hop was just bragging or, yep. you know, you making yourself, you just making it seem more elaborate than what it actually is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's the only way you can just dumb it down and bring it back to the natural essence is just telling stories because that's the only thing you could be truthful about. You know, mm-hmm. even if I just made a rap right now, I'm talking about myself, I'm going to make myself seem a thousand times cooler than probably what I actually am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but when you're telling stories and talking about where you're from and stuff, it ain't no line in that. You can't really. You know, you can probably exaggerate the truth maybe a little bit. Some people do that. I don't. You know what I'm saying? I try to make it more detailed and probably try to... I think the cool thing that I I, I like to do is play with emotions. Like, mm. I want to make a sad song but still make you laugh somewhere in it. You know what's, you you know know? what's funny? I think about that mm-hmm. um that contradiction. I think of a song like uh, Outkast's Hey Ya, which is not necessarily a rap song. You could consider it hip-hop, yes, but not a exactly. rap song. If you listen to the lyrics to that song, it's one of the saddest songs ever. Because it really <laughs> it's about a breakup. If you've ever been through a breakup, yeah. right, and you're thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm going to step out in this girl or blah, blah, she's going to step out of me. <laughs> so true. But the song and, and the vibe to it is so happy and so up-tempo, right, that it's almost snuck mm-hmm. in. It's almost like... But he uh, really crying his heart out, though. <laughs> Y'all don't want to hear me. I just want to dance. Like. Yeah, exactly. And he really cried his heart out. So, yeah, I try to do that, too. Like, even with songs when I did, like, with the stuff on old, a song like Kush Coma, it's really about just depression. But it, in some sense, you think it's a turned-up song about smoking weed, you know? Mm. So... You know, I like to play with. I like to play. I feel like you give your songs longevity that way because some people might kind of figure they might like the beat, they might like some here and there. But once you like unravel the whole package, you know, like you might not figure it out the years later. You know, that's the cool thing about music. I like. I agree with that, and and we kind of have a mutual pick because you know in this segment when we do uh, you know this hip hop thing when we delve in do the champion sound thing, uh, we pick a couple different songs. Now, we pick a classic like uh, The World Is Yours. We also pick a new song or a newer song. Mm-hmm. Um, and the song we picked today is Schoolboy Q's John Muir. Now, uh, yeah. I, I think people saw that title and, and then they, they Googled it and <laughs> they, they they went to Wikipedia and read that, you know, he was John of the Mountains, a Scottish-American naturalist, author, environmental philosopher, etc., cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but, but can I tell you what the real what the real meaning of the song is? That That is the name of a school that uh, yeah, I know that, that schoolboy Q school. attended, right? And he mm-hmm. attended it at a pivotal point in his life when he started banging, really. So, mm-hmm. in essence, this song is kind of about that origin, not about John Muir, the actual person. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think this song <laughs> speaks to a lot of stuff that you were just mentioning in terms of mm-hmm. talking about... Urban Griot. Hey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's some Urban Griot. It's, it's descriptive of self. It's, a script, it's descriptive of self without being um, just straight up self-aggrandizing. And it has an mm-hmm. element of storytelling because it's literally him recounting... That's what I really... Mm-hmm. That's what I super really like about this song, that... He he took it back all the way to the like I say the essence like of just telling stories like he can't lie he can't he can't do nothing but tell the truth that can't be nothing but from the heart right there mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying it's not Scooby Q like trying to brag or trying to like you know what I'm saying it's just him really just getting it off his chest you know I think his uh, his album Schoolboy Q's album Blank Face the Blank Face LP which dropped this year is superior to a lot of mm-hmm. records that came out this year um, yeah for sure it, it even surprised me and I'm a big Schoolboy Q fan <laughs> I uh, told you though man you know that's my hobie man mm-hmm. so I was hearing him work on it from beginning to end and I already knew like I probably gave him the confidence cause you know I was like, man, this is like the most progressive, like the most creative you ever been. Like, mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is kind of like a risk for you. Like, you know what I'm saying? But this is the best. That's the best product he's he put out. I feel like. 
You know what? Let's let's. I want to play this song, and then I want to talk about being a risky artist versus uh, a safe artist, right? So let's mm-hmm. let's play John Muir for the people to hear it, hear what we're talking about, and uh, then we will discuss some other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. You're not gonna put me on? What's, what's this? Uh, I, mean, intel? I mean, he really wanted 50 Cent to be on that. I don't Ooh. know what ever happened. I mean, honestly. It wasn't supposed to be the scratch, it was supposed to be 50. Oh. 50 body that too. It would have been dope, but I like the scratches, though. The motherfucking street, <laughs> <laughs> and we, we all know 50 Cent is, um, or we should know, 50 Cent is a Schoolboy Q fan. Um, Obviously, yeah, you're a Schoolboy Q fan. That's Q's favorite rapper. Really? 50. Okay. Yeah. That's his favorite. I mean, neither too, but. 50th Q, big homie. Look at guys from uh, <laughs> South Central LA enjoying Queens rap music and people from Detroit <laughs> enjoying yeah, Queens I mean, rap Queen, music. 
Queens rule the world, man. We know that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just hard. I mean, come on, man. It's hard to ignore that. It's my favorite Spotify playlist is all Queens. Rap songs <laughs> from a certain era. But uh, um, I wanted to talk to you about being a risky artist. You said, you know, you were around Q while he was making this blank face LP. Um, and you are well known because you are a risky artist. I feel like... Uh, even you breaking through and becoming a Danny Brown that we know today meant that you took a lot of risks, uh, risks yeah. aesthetically and <laughs> sonically, you know, because, you know, there were a lot of other, you're from Detroit, a lot of people can rap in Detroit. Uh, right. There's only one Danny Brown, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you were, you were very deliberate about the choices you made musically, um, about, you know, your appearance and stuff. Separating myself. Separating yourself. <laughs> so let, let's talk about what it means to be that type of artist. Like, is is like, like why do you, why, why did you choose to be that type of artist instead of, you know, you could be doing what everybody else is doing or trying to make a hit the way other people are making hits, but you're, you seem to be concerned with just the art of it. Tell me why that is. I mean, to be honest, I just, I think, I mean, as much as I, 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 like I say, I do the homework and I study hard about the music, and you know what I'm saying. But I think I really just don't think that hard about what other people gonna take it, how other people gonna take it. At, rather, I should say, mm. I just know what I'm a fan of, and I do what I like. And then if other people is cool with that, then that's cool with me. So I, I really don't. I always think like, if it ain't if it ain't risky, it ain't fun. You know what I'm if saying? If it ain't risky, so, it ain't fun. <laughs> and I never want to be like an in the middle type of person because that's boring. You know, like you either gonna love it or you gonna hate it. Mm -hmm. like, Not like it's cool about my music. Yeah, you're yeah. either gonna be engulfed in it and it's really something that you really feel passionate about, or you just gonna really hate my guts and want, <laughs> don't even want to see me living. You know what I'm saying? It's only gonna be that way. Can I we be in the middle? I will be average. That's average. I think nobody wants. Yeah, I think you know what. There's, you know what. Actually, there's some people who are cool with mediocrity and they're cool with being it's, average. I could, yes, I know that. <laughs> we were talking about that. Like the type of people that, like, like I say, I, I, my big slogan is people out right now. They have more ambition than creativity. Mm. And I was just talking on a, on a ride over here, and it was just like people don't even care about like putting out a classic no more. They just want to put something out to keep their name relevant. As long as they see people retweeting them on Twitter and talking about their new video that they just put out. That you know, people gonna forget about the next day. You know, they just happy with that. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, that's kind of crazy. Like, they don't know they're gonna die one day, and that stuff still gonna be on the internet. Like, I want to leave <laughs> something that I can be proud of. Like, so, so you know? uh, there is there is a, a idea that you're focused somewhat on legacy, right? So you you yeah, you don't totally. want to be survived by material totally. that you can't respect. So you wouldn't like yourself totally. really. I'd rather be like a cult icon than like a big like pop star right now. You know, hmm. like listen, like respect my music. Thirty years later, not three days. You know. Um, speaking of your music, I want to talk about the new music a little bit. Um, I think we're gonna mm -hmm. get into playing exclusive uh one song <laughs> off the new Sweet. record. Um, but I want to talk about your approach to this record, right? Knowing that you're a person who always wants to do things in a unique way, knowing that the landscape is what it is, like. There are a lot of hit songs. There are a lot of uh, single hits that'll be kind of one and done. Um, there maybe a, isn't a premium on lyrics, you know, or complexity or even depth when it comes to lyrics. So tell me about crafting that album or this album, this new album, Atrocity Exhibition, in that atmosphere and with your mindset that you always want to stand out. I mean, like I said, I, had, um, I, I met Nas, and then, you know, we got a chance to talk 
for a long time, and I was just telling him like all my crazy stories or whatever. But you know, you know, every time I meet with like one of my like idols or something like that, I always just want to get like advice from him. Like, mm. That's my thing. So I always try to like, but without really like asking him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, give yeah. Give me the game. You just can't be like, give me the game, big homie. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? But pretty much that's what I want. But. And then with him, we were just talking, and he was just like, man, people always, like, just trying to be extra and worried about all the wrong stuff. All they need to do is just rap. Huh. And that's what I, and I felt the exact same way, because that's how I was. I was just thinking about the album, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. What's going to be the concept for this album? I got to have, you know what I'm saying? Like, just trying to, then just rap. And then I just started just rapping and just making songs. And once I started just making songs, the album took a life of its own. You know, I can't say I thought this out all the way, like, from the beginning. Like, I just started making music, and then it, eventually the story figured itself out, and the album made itself, actually, because uh-huh. I just rap. I just let everything else be what it is and just rap, because now it's like you can have all the pressure in the world. Like, before, like, when I made music, like, I didn't, you know, a lot of people weren't going to listen to it like that, or it's just probably for my homies or something like that, but now I know a lot of people going to listen to this. Like, they're paying you know attention. So yeah. it's a make or break, you know what I'm saying, yeah. situation, like. And like when you see Danny Brown name on a product, I just want it to be like you you could totally be unexpected and it's gonna be something unpredictable. You know, you can't just put your finger on what's gonna happen to the point where even if you listen to it your first time, you just know how I do. Like, I might not like it right now, but I'm still not gonna say it's whack because three days later it might be the best song in the world. So I'd rather have that approach than, you know, some cookie cutter stuff that's like, just, like it's you know, always something right substantial now. that 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 warrants someone revisiting it or at least, you know, giving it yeah. a deeper listen yeah. than they would, you know, okay. Like, all my favorite songs, I think I, I didn't like the first time I heard them. I mean, maybe The World Is Yours. I, but I was already a Nas fan by the time I got The World Is Yours, you know? Yep. But, um, like, some of my favorite, like, the first time I heard Cuban Links, I didn't like it. That's <laughs> one of my best, top three best hip-hop albums ever made to me. Because uh-huh. it was just, I couldn't, I wasn't, my ears weren't even mature enough to even understand something like that. That's true, yeah. You know? So that's what I think comes with it a lot of times. So I I, I want to make music that, I mean, I got real mature ears, so I'm satisfying my own taste too, in some sense. And you got some people that say, you know, if you want to do that, you shouldn't be in the music business. But I'm not in this for the sake of money, I guess, you know? I'm in this to leave behind a legacy and, with my art, you know? I respect it, and uh, I think that is the perfect time for us to talk about something unpredictable, being that that's a through line with your music, that it's it's unpredictable. Um, we're going to play a song called Rolling Stone uh, mm-hmm. featuring Petit Noir, which is something I couldn't have predicted would have happened. Um, <laughs> and after we, we play it, we're going to talk about it, and uh, you're going to tell me a little bit about this song. We're going to talk a little bit more about Atrocity Exhibition, all right? All right. Let's do it. Now I'm living with no soul I'm on the road that never ends Don't know I 
common sense saying Some people say I think too much I don't think they think enough Time rough but they got rough Way heavy up on my show Let the cricket tell us so Can't think straight, can't think so Dark rock, so immature Can't make it up about so Fell out like this, no how Blazed out my mind flow I love her, she love me Loving it up with no box Fucked up, that's the way it is I'm not who I strut Riding around with the windows out Smoking like it's ten of us And that was Rolling Stone featuring Petit Noir. Wowzers. Uh, so where do we start? How did that song come about? Um, Twitter. Really? <laughs> the great world, that is Twitter. The yeah, great connector, I mean? yeah. One of those type of days, I was up four in the morning, and I just checked my DMs, and I had a DM from Petit Noir. And he was just like, you know, he was a, you know, he liked my music, and you know, and you know, if check his music out pretty much that's what it was hmm. you know people send you stuff like that all the time yeah yeah you know but i was like whatever i checked it out it's four in the morning and then those but then because i really going back to bed and then i checked it out and then i was like oh and i couldn't i wasn't even sleepy no more i watched the video like five times and i just kept watching it then i hit him back like yo i don't know what we can do you try to do something i guess i don't know then he sent the beat and he's like you like this beat i mean he sent the, i was like this beat's tight then i was like all right let's get it and then he sent the hook. Then I wrote the verse, sent it back. Then he wrote a bridge and tinkered the beat. And I wrote another verse. Then he, you know what I'm saying? So wow. So wait, did he produce that like song? That. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think that's all. That's him playing uh, instruments, really. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, now. I'm on the bass. I know that. That bass is, that's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, that's him. You know, that's, that's his style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got the, you know, the minimal drums. It, was, it just fit me. So, I mean, you know, because it was like, it was like, a, I was like, I was pretty much done with the album almost. So it was like, you know, those adding them cherry on tops. That's what I call them. Uh-huh. So it was like, I knew I couldn't just go to any like body and just get beats from them because like it's impossible for most producers to be making beats that's going to go with what I got going on with this album right now. Uh-huh. So he sent that and it was like it kind of fits and then it fit <laughs> that's a that's a pleasant so surprise um mm-hmm. talk about the lyrics to that song i feel like it, it kind of speaks to the theme of uh, atrocity exhibition so tell me that's about what that i'm saying like even it. with him with that hook like he didn't know what i was talking about with my album you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying like but he hit it right on the like he hit the nail on the head you know, like, you know what i'm saying I mean, hit the head on the nail, whatever, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little crazy right now. <laughs> the volleyball Olympics, man. <laughs> but yeah. So, so tell me about uh, the verses. I think you address a, a bunch of different themes on like there. Like I say, he came with the hook, so it was like I was just already just I was writing off of him, now. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of easy when someone gives you a song and already gave you the concept, because that's usually be the hardest part for me is what I'm gonna talk about. You know, but he already gave it to me. Like I say, it was one of the last songs I recorded. But pretty much just me, just that's just like a how I feel song. You know, how you feel about certain situations, you know? And still trying to be clever with it and witty, too, I think. So I know, you know, you're probably going to get this uh, question a bunch, but let's talk about the title of the album, Atrocity Exhibition. Why'd mm-hmm. you name it that? And let's talk about the various interpretations of that meaning, I mean, of that title. I mean, in the Joy Division song, I mean, you know, when you listen to that song, he's talking about how he, like, you know, he feel like he pretty much like a freak show animal or something. You know, like he used to go perform and, you know, his epilepsy would make him have seizures and stuff. So a lot of people used to get entertained by that, uh-huh. you know? So that's like, you you know, you being entertained by someone's, you know, they, they, they downfalls almost. And, you know, people look at me like I'm some type of, like, crazy drugged out, like drug addict or something. But it might be true, it might not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But... Don't don't expect me to like don't get entertained by that you know but I feel like people are now like to the point where if I was to come out and be like I'm completely sober I'm not you know people might not even want to listen to my music no more you know yeah or like just might think it lost something just because you know you think it's drugs that trigger it which it's not it, it, it it's interesting um that we as a, a viewing and listening audience, you know, derive so much pleasure or entertainment from kind of seeing people sometimes at their worst. Um, yeah, that's an atrocity exhibition. That's an atrocity exhibition. Even with the book, even with the book, that's what he was like pretty much talking about. Like, like the type of person that get entertained by watching cars crash, you know? <laughs> the many faces like, of death know? and stuff oh, like yeah. that. But you know what? It's almost um, sometimes you enjoy out of somebody pain, you know? Sometimes I think about that when, cer- when certain people consume hip-hop uh with a certain perspective on hip-hop that is not necessarily sympathetic but just more entertained by like you know what we would call the hood shit like the uh mm-hmm, you know yeah, some of the that's negativity what, it, that's also an atrocity and exhibition there's people that never would be in the hood yeah know? yeah yeah that's yeah. why they entertained by that yeah i feel you so at the same t- yeah that's an atrocity exhibition so like you're right it's the same way but you know I, the way i see it is that like I say, it's always double meanings, but I ain't gonna give it all away. Yeah, don't just, don't give it all. You know, but I let the music speak for itself too, so I don't want to be all just like you know. 
I, it's interesting because, you know, when I first heard the title, I thought of the Joy Division song, and I thought about mm -hmm. that idea about hip-hop and, you know, some people's kind of voyeurism. Um, yeah. and, but it also made me think of, and this is, this is be, you know, bear with me on this, uh, it made me think of a Bob Dylan song. I'm not the mm -hmm. biggest Bob Dylan fan in the world, um, but I was exposed <laughs> to Bob Dylan by reading the writings of Huey P. Newton. Right, so he, okay. he he wrote he wrote he had this one writing about the song called uh, "Ballad of the Thin Man," and the Ballad of the Thin Man is literally about people going to a freak show, right, and mm -hmm. seeing a guy yeah. who is a freak, and the freak is is in there, you know, they're gawking at him, they're judging, and he offers them like a bone from that where he is, right, because he's saying to mm -hmm. them like we're the same. Who's the real freak in this situation? You know, and so yeah, when I right. heard Atrocity Exhibition, right. it made me think of that. You know, it's like, who's the real yeah. freak in the situation? What's yeah, the real oddity? Exactly. <laughs> you're rather, you're rather, that's, see, and that's the type of world we live in right now where you see people, instead of them, when, when they see uh, anything happening, I ain't just don't necessarily, like, say police or any anything that's violent happening, there, instead of them trying to fix the situation, what they do, they pull their phone out and try to record it. Yo. It's an Atrocity Exhibition. Yo, that's, that's, you it's, and who's, and who's like you say who's yeah. worse in that situation uh -huh. you know what I'm saying uh -huh. and that's the world we're living in now we're yeah. living in the atrocity exhibition people rather document than <laughs> intervene document for entertainment mm -hmm. purposes and intervene that is yep. that is that's, that's deep brother it's deep Exactly. Um, like I say, I want to give everything away. <laughs> yeah, don't give it all away. But before we get out of here with you, I know your time is limited. Um, I do want to talk it ain't about that limited because I'm at home. Okay. But I do want to play video games. <laughs> um, I got my pajamas on. I didn't even get dressed. I just came up here. <laughs> See, rap life. Um, I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit more about the record because you know we just talked about Q, who is one fourth a black hippie, but mm -hmm. you have uh, two other members of Black Hippie on one song that also mm -hmm. features Earl Sweatshirt. Tell me about that song in particular and a little bit about the album um, and some of the features mm. and people who produce on it. Well, that song happened. I mean. Um me, me and Kendrick, we always talked about doing stuff together. I'm, I'm going like, to pause real quick. The song I'm referring to is called Really Though, featuring Kendrick yeah. Lamar <laughs> and Ab Soul and Earl Sweatshirt, all top-notch spitters with Danny Brown, of course, <laughs> who is top-notch spitter. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I know. I got the internet tripping right now. <laughs> I feel like they just like going to hack my computer now. Like, I'm scared, man. <laughs> I'm really scared. I got to check my emails and stuff. But uh, me and Kendrick always talked about doing stuff. And then when, you know, he was working on his album, he had sent me some stuff to do and then didn't really make it or whatever. Then he was just always like, I owe you one, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, you talk, yeah, I owe you one. I got you, I got you, Stanley. You know, whenever you're ready, I got you. <laughs> so I was like, whatever, you know. You know me, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm not the kind of guy that, you know, want to ask people to get on music and do songs and stuff. I'd rather be organic and do it. But I'm like, man, Kate, I say you owe me one. <laughs> So I'm gonna get Kate and Earl on the song together. I always had this idea. Like I'm gonna get Kate and Earl together, and then it, eventually it was just like taking too long. It wasn't panning out. So eventually I was like gonna have run the jewels and Absol, you mm. know. And then I just got Absol. Then it was just I was like forget it. It's gonna be me and Absol. And then one day I was just I was, because you know I was mixing the album with Ali. I guess Kada just snuck in on one of those days, and then he just came through and just laced it. Nice. So then I had to be patient and just wait on the Earl, but it was all worth it though when I really think about it because you know hip hop need that posse cut. Like a lot of people, like they don't want to be competitive. Like you know that's a friendly competition. They scared to get bodied on yep. the track. Like me, I, I I had my verse on that song first and never changed it. Like it's not too many artists that do that getting on the song with Absol and Kendrick uh -huh. and Earl. You know what I'm saying? Like. 
And I don't even look at it like that. I'm like, as long as I get a dope song out of it, I'm cool with that. Like, these are my homies. These are my bros. I ain't tripping on body and them. I body somebody I don't know. Yeah. Put me on your songs and I don't know you, then it's trouble. But, I mean, for them, we just want to make the best possible song because we know the hype that's just going. Just looking at it on paper, you're like, how is this not going to work? Yeah, yeah. Produced by Black Milk, you know? Oh, so shout I'm out to Black Milk. I'm just to be able that's gonna be able to you know like because like i said it's all hyped up and that's the last thing i want is like super hype like i ain't with the hype beat stuff but i know it's gonna be it's gonna satisfy you know what i'm saying it's gonna hit home when it come out so i ain't tripping i'm relaxed my feet is up you, know? <laughs> you did your job <laughs> yeah it was patient because i could have gave up like that was like the last song really we finished mm. but i could have gave up a long time ago I was like i ain't gonna never be able to make because that was too far-fetched of an idea to happen but I made it happen. But the big deal to me was getting Be Real on the album, which I totally can't take no credit for, which was all my management. Uh, on the song called Get High. Exactly. I so went, what's I'm that like, song um, about? Um, this is about... <laughs> it's like it's really about... The first verse is about jazz. Mm. <laughs> See, you can't give me give up too much. Mm. <laughs> all right. Okay, okay, okay. So, so, so that said, I think... Um, the anticipation for this album is, is well warranted. I look forward to peeling back the layers of all these songs and, and you know, the beats on here and, and seeing what everything's about. All right, my man, thank you very much. What's up, bro, bro? All right, peace. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Discover the rest of the NPR portfolio at npr.org slash podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcasts.